the Way City Church, located in Woodbridge, Virginia, is led by Pastor Marlon Yearwood and exists to reach the lost and disciple the believer. Uh, my name is uh, Jose Mazariego, as you, well, you see it over there. Uh, I'm Salvadorian. Uh, we have been married for 18 years, I believe so. I hope I don't get in trouble, but I believe so. Uh, so we have been married for 18 years now. So um, we have uh, three kids, 124, Ariana and Marco, which they, they're here with me. So this will be my fifth time preaching in English. So I hope, uh, I just want to let you know that uh, before I keep talking. Uh, but my son this, this week, my, as I was preparing and reading and trying to pronounce the right way, all the words, he was like, hey, what are you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm reading this sermon just, you know, to, to preach on Sunday. And he's, he was like, it's, and I was like, it's hard for me to do it. And he said, oh, yeah, I'm sorry, it's hard for you, but not for me. So... <laughs> So that's what he says. So, and it's true, you know. So I just want to share that with you. But even though last year, I know last year was um, a very hard year for everyone. And a hard year for my family and for the world. In the beginning of last year, I was very happy because we were about to get to two years as a church. Our church was growing, our church, uh, and God was adding people, and of course, or finances were good, but God, but, but, but sorry, but with COVID, all went down. So my family and I, we start praying uh, that God help us to keep our church alive, to keep our members focused in God, and that the Lord can provide us some partners that can pray for us and help us financially because things are going, things didn't look uh, too clear to write in those in last, back last year. As everything was going kind of bad, all families start dealing with some personal issues too, as I know many of you. My mom was, my mom is 63 years old and my mom was diagnosed with Alzheimer or dementia, which is the same thing about uh, five years ago. So that means before 60, she was diagnosed with dementia. Last year, in the middle of, in the midst of the COVID, she fell, she fell on, on her house and cut, make a cut in her head. After that, uh, after that she, we have to take her to the hospital where she spent maybe more than a month and then we decide to put it in a memory care facility, facility because we cannot take care of her when she had been until today. Then her family was hit with the COVID. My wife and I, as, as well some families in the church, has it. So we had to shut down the church for a month. After that, a month after that, my dad passed away after a long battle with cancer. But even with all those things, God has been faithful with, God, with us. God is good. He is good. In the middle of all, those deeds, all of this, God allowed us to keep serving Him, to, to, to keep doing His work. Thank you to Him and to churches like you that support us with prayers and with their finances. Our church is serving, as you can see, in the community, many, many, many times. 
As a church, we try to help a lot of families, and we try to share the gospel in the community, and we didn't care about the background of people. We didn't care about the color of their skin. Why? Because if Jesus were here, he not, if Jesus were here now, he didn't care either. And every time that I have the privilege to be in front of a very diverse group, of people like this morning. I always remember Revelation chapter 7 and 9 that says, and I think I, you can read it in the, in, the, in, the, in the screen. In Revelation 7 says, After these things I look and behold a great multitude which no, all, no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out, crying out with a low, with a loud voice, saying, "Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb." That's a picture of what is happening here today. People from different races worship the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There is no difference between us. We all are children of God. And that's our responsibility as a Christians. Show the love, show the world that even with different thinkings or culture, we have to live loving to each other as Christ loves us. In our community, when you see a Hispanic, not every single Hispanic is a Mexican. Because you think that just because we, are look, we all look the same... We are the same. But it's not like that. In our, in our church, for example, we have people from Bolivia. We have people from Peru. We have people from Honduras. We have people from Chile. We have people from Guatemala, from Costa Rica, from Puerto Rico. We have people from all different countries. And even though we speak the same language, we all are different. We have different culture, even... I even have to speak in a way that every single one can understand me. And as you can imagine, this is not easy to do. But the Bible teaches us that God wants us to love our, our neighbor as he loves us. And I know sometimes this is hard for us to do it. But I want you to know that if this is hard for you to do, I want you to know that God wants to deliver us from all our difference, differences and of all our sins. Today I will be talking about our deliverance. And I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. If you have a Bible or you have an iPad or you have a cell phone, please turn your, turn your devices or your Bible to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. And as I'm going to keep talking, I just want you to, to pay attention, please. Have you ever experienced a true deliverance from something or someone that had a hold on your life? 
Many of us can relate with both of those questions, and most of us could probably write a book with our answer to, answers to those questions. I can remember praying for deliverance from things as simple as high school. Can anyone, anyone here relate with that? I have seen God, dear sisters and brothers, I have seen God deliver friends from addictions. I have seen God deliver people from diseases. I have, uh, uh, and even, I have, uh, in the same way, God can deliver us from make difference between us and the rest of people. And the way we sometimes judge them for how they look, speak, or dress. God can deliver us from that. And God can deliver people from sin in general. And the same thing we see in the Bible. Then God delivered a woman from a devil spirit. God delivered people from the idolatry of pursuing other gods. Paul itself was delivered from the sin of legalism and hate for Christians. That's why the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, when the Lord says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. We all love stories of deliverance. And God's word is truly one of complete deliverance. And we all need deliverance. God can deliver us from racial division, from political division, from a family division. God can deliver us from a broken marriage and fix it for His glory. God can deliver us from any sin that we think we can not defeat. The sin that He has delivered us from the sin, the sin that separates from Him, He unifies us with Him through His Son, Jesus Christ. That's why the Bible says Jesus is the way, Jesus is the truth, and Jesus is the life. John 17, verse 20 and 21 says, I do not pray for this alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, through your word, that they all might be one as you, Father, are in me, and, in, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may be believed that you sent me. And that's, why, that's the picture of what the church has to be, one with God and one to each other. This is the desire of God for this church. And when I'm talking about the church, I didn't talk about the chairs. I didn't talk about the cameras. I'm talking about us. The church at Ephesus had experienced a deliverance from a division from a pagan culture, from a pagan God, and from different ways of life, God has truly delivered these people from themselves. As I read this, I just can't remember Jesus' Jesus, Jesus word in John 8, 32, when he says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. This is the truth that we believe. This is the truth that we preach that we practice every day. 
Be a Christian is more than come to a church every Sunday for one, one hour and 30 minutes or two hours or one hour. That's not mean or that's not to be a Christian. A Christian know by his actions. The Hebrews, especially, especially the Christian Jews, had always heard about and live as the result of deliverance. The story of Noah, they, they, they released from slavery in Egypt, and then the current day Christian Jews realize they can deliver from their own sin through Jesus Christ. If you are in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 and 12, let's read. Therefore, remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands that at that time you were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise having no hope and without God in the world the issue here was the Christian Jews had a physical mark to prove their deliverance. And the Gentiles only had a spiritual one. The issue leads to whether you need both to be truly delivered. But we, of course, we know that all we need is a spiritual mark extended to us through Jesus in the Holy Spirit. So I want you to take a deep look into these two verses and see what we will be without if we had not experienced a spiritual deliverance in God through His Holy Spirit, so if we had not experienced a spiritual deliverance, we will be slaves to self. See the verse 11. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, stay there for a moment, stay here for a moment, the Ephesians only knew worship as it related to the goddess Diana at the temple of Artemis. Jesus Christ was definitely not known in Ephesus before the gospel came here. So Jesus had truly transformed these believers' lives. The pagan religion had led them to serve self. Now they were serving God and one another as a church body. And if you go through the whole book of the whole letter of Ephesus, you will see that Paul wants to unify. You'll see that Paul wants to put in the first place the grace of God that is all we need to be saved, that's, that is all we need to be transformed, that is all we need to fix our difference, even in, the, in, our, in our homes, or even in, in our culture, in our country, in our society. Why do I say this? Because a lot of times, you and me act like the church at Ephesus. We love ourselves and the things we have. 
more than God and those around us that were created to his image. The Ephesians has, had always given pagan offerings to a false goddess for selfish reasons. Now, they gave worshipful offerings to a living God for sacrificial reasons. We still experience this in today, today's culture in church. Before we met Jesus, we gave, we gave offerings to false gods. And these were gods we believe will make us happy. We live to buy things. And some of us, we just, we are waiting for the iPhone 19, 25, 26. Because we live to buy things, the latest things, the new things. Now you can turn the lights off just with your mouth. And we believe these things will bring our lives some sort of comfort, gain, or joy. Pastor John Piper says about this, no matter which way the market moves, God is always better than gold. And it, unless we experience a deliverance, a deliverance from this through Jesus, we will continue to give offerings to false gods for selfish reasons. But when Jesus walks in, we leave our slavery to self and begin to realize He is glorious and sacrificial giving of our lives is a path to true joy. We, in a sense, go from, from being slaves to selves to being servants of Jesus Christ, the one through King and the only holy, holy, holy Son of God who has delivered us from sinful self. Do you understand this truth? Do we understand this truth as a church? Thank you to the holy God that we have. We know now our sins. And through His Spirit, He confirms our salvation. That we belong to God. That we don't have anything to do with this world that, that we live in. The church at Ephesus that Paul is writing to had experienced this. Some may have been Jewish, most were Gentiles in the church, but all had once served a selfish God, and now they were together serving Jesus because of the spiritual deliverance He alone had given them, and He alone can give us. What do you need to be delivered from? I just want you to think. What things are holding your life to come to the faith? To change your way of living? To change your heart? To change your mind? What things are those? 
But these verses also lead us to realize that if we had not experienced a deliverance in Him, we will never be unified with others. I will, I will say that again. These verses also lead us to, rea to realize that if we had not experienced a deliverance in Him, we will never be unified with others. We cannot be here together as we are right now because we are seeing more the difference that we have that how Jesus unifies through His Word, through His Spirit, through Jesus Christ. To, for what? For the future. What future? Where we all going to be together saying, Holy, holy, holy is our God Almighty. To Him all the honor, praise, and glory. See the second part of verse 11. When Paul says that, call on circumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands. Jewish Christians were referring to Gentile Christians as the uncircumcised. This was a very negative and unloving way to view those outside the Jewish nation. Circumcision was God's way for Israel to be set apart. But he never intended to, to make them a light. God's desire in setting them apart physically was that they will be a nation that shouted God's deliverance to other nations. The thing that Israel did was they kept their identity religiously but not morally. Israel lived by the external mark but not by God ruling in their hearts. How are we living today? Following which mark? The one that we see? Or the one that God made? You know? The hypocrisy is that even though Israel many times walk away from God, they always view Gentiles as the non-deliberate. They always view Gentiles as those not worthy of God's reach. And sometimes this mentality is in us too. It's in our culture too. It's in this world, this is this fallen world that we live. This happens very often in our culture, in our society, all over the world, not here just in the States. Just because a you had the physical mark of one of God's chosen people did not make him a man of faith. See these verses and let the truth of God's work sink into your life. Galatians chapter 5 verse 6 says, 
For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. Galatians chapter 6 verse 15 says, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. So there's not two different things now. There's only one creation, and that creation is the church, is us, are us. Why? Because we are made one in Christ. We are not better than the rest of people. We are not special. We are all sinners. That's what the Bible calls us. Sinners that are saved only because God's grace and sovereignty. And this is important because Paul made sure to write about this issue when addressing through Christianity with the early churches. Christian Jews were trying to say that Gentile Christians need to be physically circumcised, to be a complete follower of God, faith plus works. But this never was God's intention. The circumspection that God makes on us is in our heart. When He forgives us, when He changes us, when He transforms us and makes us live for Him. We used to live for our, our own desires, for our, our, our own goals. But now we live for Christ and we are under His will. Or at least, that's at least what he waits from us. Here is the deal. God, call, God had called the Jews, set them apart, made covenants with them, and blessed them. God did include Gentiles with the covenant he made with Abraham back in Genesis chapter 12, verse from 1 to 3. But he never made any covenants with a specific Gentile nation. You see why, why nobody is more special than others? And it doesn't matter how tall you are, how short you are, how big you are. Sometimes when I'm walking with my daughter in the street, I, I believe people don't think she's my daughter. Because she looks a lot different than I do. So, that's why Jesus, or God, never made any covenant with a specific nation. Therefore, the Jews had always pride themselves on this. And we see here it had crept into the church. Deliverance from sin was not being based on and through Jesus alone, but Jesus and all covenant mark. All, that was on the old covenant, but in the new covenant, all we need is Jesus. All we need is His grace. All we need is repentance. All we need is forgiveness. All we need is God. Jesus did not come, die, and rise again to give us a physical mark in order to be unified with His people. He did His work to give us a spiritual resurrection that will unify us as the church of He paid the price for. 
these can be viewed as a spiritual circumcision of the heart for all who believe, repent, and commit by faith under His grace, Jew and Gentile alike. All of this talk or all this spiritual and physical circumcision bring us back to grace. In Ephesians chapter 2 talks a lot about grace. Our salvation is in Christ. And it's an act of grace alone. We need to be reminded of this. Even in the 21st century church, church, church people have many times become like the early Jewish believers. In the way we view those outside the church, those new to the church, or those that we not feel comfortable with. There's bad people in the world. But bad people in the world belongs to every single color, country, and language. There's really bad people in the world. We tend to view those new to the church or those that know, don't know God in a negative light. When, then, when they don't get much less abide by our stupid little traditions, religious rules and tradition alone have nothing to do with the truth or grace. The only people that care about those things and have argued over them are church people. And they might not be truly part of the church. Think about this for a moment. What kinds of expectations do we put on people who are unchurched or new to the church? What were we like before we came to Christ? What did God use to draw us to Himself? How did we begin to grow in His grace? Most likely, we all grew in the grace of God because someone in the church was gracious with us. Show us love. And so, and we see the, what we think. We see the love of Jesus in this church. And we see the love of Jesus in this, in this woman, in this man. And we feel so attractive, not to them, but to the gospel. And here's a third thing we would like to be without, if we had not experienced a deliverance in Jesus. We will be completely hopeless. See verse 12. That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. There's nothing worse that, live, that lives without hope without faith, without God. The ancient world, especially Ephesus, had plenty of gods. 
But one of the greatest facts we learn from history is that there was a huge cloud of hopelessness that covered this period of time. The Ephesians Paul was writing to would have been experienced hope for the first time in their lives. They had been separated from the one through God. They had been strangers and aliens to the promises of God, but now they had hope in all of these great truths from God. And that happened to us when we repent of our sins and put our faith, faith I'm sorry, excuse me, in Jesus. We came from hopeless, hopelessness to have hope in God. The people had not been hopeless because God made them hopeless. No. The Ephesians before they met Jesus had been hopeless for the same reason. You and I was hopeless. You and I were hopeless and all unbelievers in the history of the world have been hopeless. In this new church that we are planting, Oh, that we started planting two years ago. I met a lady from, from, from Peru. This lady was a young lady, like 25 years old, 26 years old. She has a daughter, and she's working and everything. But this lady kept in her car, in the dashboard, an image of a saint. And she told me, that any, every time that she, that she went, when she was leaving to work, to, his, to her job, she touched that image and say a prayer. One day, someone invited her to our church. And after a few weeks that she come and sit and worship with us and listen to the world and talk to her to make a relationship with her, my wife and everything, She repent and give her life to Jesus. And guess what? The first thing she removes from her car was that image. She went from having no hope to finding to find that living hope that is in Jesus alone. There's no hope in this world. There's no works that can, that can save us. There's nothing we can do to, to, to take out of our lives the guilt. Or when we feel guilty, the guilt goes away from our lives when we ask the Lord for, for forgiveness and repentance and faith. In that moment, all our sins, our guilt, or, or everything is going out of our lives and our minds. As this lady's story, our story is no different. God pursued Jews. He pursued the efficiency. And He pursued us. 
so that we could come back into knowing him by being delivered in him so we could worship the one through God we were separated from so we could, we could have hope. The problem here is the Jews got caught on their religion. They did not shine the light of God. And they end up, they ended up just becoming like the Gentile nations they so despise. The church in the 21st century, in its attempts to be relevant alone or judgmental alone, forgets to shine the light of Jesus by proclaiming his full, truthful, life-changing, powerful gospel. The church is not like the chameleon that shines with different colors depending on their situation. The only color or the only shine that the church has to show is the light of Christ in his life, in his actions, and in his words. The greatest thing we could do to provide hope is be the least like the world, but love her deeply. So please, brothers and sisters, love God. Love God. Love His church. Build His church. Pray for His church. Support His church. But most important, love your neighbor in the same way that you love yourself. Without making any difference. Jesus didn't go to the cross just for the Jews. He died on the cross for every human being that repents and believes in Him. When you do a food pantry every week, you know a lot of people. You get into a different conversations with people from all over the world. And one time, there is a, a, a white lady that comes to our food pantry. And since then, she's coming pretty much every week. And we give food every week to whoever. I mean, we don't care about how often they come. We just give food away. But every time she comes, we start getting in a conversation, into a conversation. And she starts telling me that this food is not for her. It's for a family that lives in the same community that she lives, which one of the members have a very bad case of dementia. And they are in a lot of need. But also, she mentioned to me through that conversation that a few years ago, her, sis, her own sister passed away from the same disease. And as she was talking, I was thinking, 
my mom have the same thing. And I know how difficult that is. And if any of you had experienced that, that's not something funny. When your mom doesn't know if you are her husband, her son, her neighbor, her brother, you just mentioned. But at the same time, I was thinking how hard this can be to deal with this. But at the same time, I was thinking something more important. We are the same. We have the same diseases. We have the same problems. Hispanics die from cancer. Japanese die from cancer. We have the same addictions. We have the same needs. We all have problems in our homes, in our house, with the kids, with our wives, with our husbands. We all are sinners that desperate need Jesus. You see how we are the same? So if Jesus didn't make any difference between us, who we are to do it? So please, remember, when you go out there, that Jesus love, that Jesus can forgive, and that Jesus want to save people that speaks, looks, and dress different than us. The Bible says that we are that we are the light of this world. So be a light. Let's pray. Oh Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for let us gather together. Thank you for your word is clear sometimes. Sometimes we just add words to something that is very clear in the Bible. Oh Lord, thank you for loving us. Even when we deserve condemnation, you give us eternal life. Oh God, thank you for the life of Jesus who lived a perfect life a life that we can live. Help us, O oh Lord, to love others as you love us. Help us to pray for them and share about you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, because you are deliver us from our, from our idols and pagan life. Thank you for deliver us from our sins. Oh God, please change us, transform us, help us to recognize that we need you. Oh Lord, thank you for, for this church, for every family 
for every member that is part of this church. Thank you for Pastor Marlon. Bless him, bless his family. Helping us to, to focus in you and in the work that you are sent us to do. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So thank you. We'd love to hear from you. Visit us at thewaycitychurch.org.